Hello everybody and welcome to this week's edition of BPM, the podcast where we get behind people's music. First of all, Happy New Year. Welcome to 2019. We've all made it. There was no interim nuclear war over Christmas. Uh, global warming didn't speed up in the space of a week because Trump withdrew from another deal or something like that. We're all still here. I hope you had a really, really good holiday season and a Merry Christmas and hope you had a really nice time and uh, have got some time to recoup and regenerate as well. Uh, it's really important that we take some time to reflect and rest as we come into the new year. So BPM last year had quite a few episodes and they all followed a relatively similar format. They'll be, you know, me talking like this into an interview and then we go from the interview into some acoustic tracks and some bits of music and then it finishes. So for the new year, I thought we could switch it up a little bit. So some of the new features you'll hear over the coming episodes are the continuous question. I don't really have a better name for it so far. And then it's where the podcast that you're listening to will set up the next podcast. So someone I'm interviewing might ask a question and that will be answered by the next podcaster. So we'll keep that chain going as long as possible. We're also going to look at interspersing the episodes with reviews of music, of gigs, of albums, um, things like that, anything musical related to sort of spread a little bit more of the music world. So actually, I'm going to hear album reviews interspersed with the guests. So today we will have a guest and you'll hear a little bit more about that in a minute. And we'll also have an album review. Now, the person who's willingly put their stuff forward to do this is an electronic musician called Tiomir Zedjalarevich. I think I said that right. Tiomir Zedjalarevich. I think that's correct. Croatian-born and now lives in Berlin, creates a bunch of electronic soundscapes. And we're going to hear my thoughts on that a little bit later on. But first, welcoming us into the new year is someone who I'm just so glad to have met and uh, someone who's really opened my eyes to the sort of music I really love, and uh, from artists such as Jackson Brown and Neil Young and whatever. And it's this sort of confessional songwriting, this brutal honesty and vulnerability that you put into your songs. So you don't necessarily write for hooks and for choruses, you just write your feelings down and uh, put it on paper and put it out there. And it's really hard to get into that headspace to be at a point where your vulnerability can be used as a strength. But someone who's really good at that is this week's guest, Lisa Akua, who is from Germany and uh, actually moved to Ireland for a little bit. So you'll hear a bit of an Irish tinge to the talk as we go along. And we met a few weeks back, back in 2018, at her lovely apartment, actually. And uh, we just talked about a lot of confessional songwriting and how you get into this mindset of opening up entirely. So this is with Lisa Akua, and you can find out more by going to Facebook. That's Lisa, L-I-S-A. Akua is A-K-U-A-H. You can find out more by going to Facebook and online and on SoundCloud and finding out a lot more about her, and she will talk a lot about that a bit later on. But here is what happened when we met. My name is Lisa Akua. Um, I'm a singer-songwriter here in Berlin. Um, I'm originally from 
close to Frankfurt, which is in the middle of Germany pretty much, and I've spent about four years of my life in Ireland, hence the accent, I guess. And um, yeah, about three years ago, I started writing music. I got inspired by all my friends here and um, overcame all my insecurities and started writing my own music, and now here I am, playing in Berlin all the time. So you're still pretty new to this whole thing then? Three years isn't so long. I guess so, yeah. But do you played before? You haven't just learnt guitar in no, the last no. three years or something? No. That's impressive if so. Right? <laughs> no. Um, I started playing the guitar when I was six. Um, my uncle builds guitars. He has his own company building electric guitars. So, oh, wow. Um, a very logical present for him to give me was um, a kid's classical guitar when I was about four. And that was sitting in my room for about two years. And then when I started school... My parents said, okay, it's time now, and I started playing classical guitar. Yeah. I did that for about 12 years until I got too lazy. I was like, nah, I don't want to practice anymore. When did you become too lazy? Like teenager or something? Yeah. 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 It happens to all of us. And singing, I started, I guess, even earlier. I sang all the time, and then I started preschool, and my teacher was really annoyed with me singing all the time, and went up to my mom saying, please send this kid to a choir. She won't stop singing. <laughs> So I started singing in a choir when I was about six as well and um, only quit that particular choir when I moved away, when I moved to Ireland. Only then can I be sure the jigsaw pieces fit, they will fit. So you said quickly you had like insecurities and things about actually singing or sort of songwriting yourself. What, what, what do you mean by that? Um, I don't know. I've never been the most secure person in general. I've had a couple of problems during like school times and everything that I did well was highly scrutinized and always taken apart and made fun of, and just as the bad things as well. Yeah, I found it really hard to be the center of attention. For me, it was way more convenient to just be invisible. Mm -hmm. And yeah, writing music and singing solos in a choir even means that people notice you and they look at you like they stare at you pretty much mm, mm. because you're the focus mm. and I found that very difficult and it took me a long time to actually get over that for a very long time I recorded um, a cappella pieces of my favorite songs and just put them on SoundCloud but that was fine because nobody could see me doing mm, it mm, mm. Are you, would you describe yourself as quite introverted then or I don't know you're fighting with a fly. Not that anyone can see this, but there's a fly <laughs> yeah. around. Go away. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not entirely sure I know the definition of an introvert too well, but I think yes. I mean, I'm pretty good in social situations mm. by now, but um, maybe it's just the front. I can't actually tell anymore whether mm. something is like real but I guess I just always follow my gut and if I don't feel like socializing I just don't mm -hmm. no, I so when I feel good. good about myself and when I feel okay I can go out there and meet people then I do mm. when I feel that I can't then I just won't force myself mm. so I guess I, yeah I'm probably in I didn't play live for a long time because of similar things to what you said I didn't really like being in the sort of spotlight so to speak um, I would describe myself as quite sort of introverted in the sense that I don't really get energy from meeting large groups of people or going yeah. out. I would rather be on my own and write some stuff or with a few people. So it took me quite a while to think, yeah, okay, well, let's actually play live. But now I've found the best way to get around it is just 
I don't know, I've come to the conclusion in my own head that what I'm doing is sharing my embarrassment with lots of other people. Yeah. So now I feel comfortable with it and I'm fine and I love it. So I don't really care anymore. But you still get nervous. Oh, yeah. But it's not the deliberating kind of nervousness anymore. Yeah. I used to feel physically sick before I had to go on stage, even if it was just like a small solo in the choir or something like that. I'd feel nauseous and just cold sweat running down my back and very uncomfortable Mm. afterwards I'd always feel great because and I know I can sing Mm. I wouldn't be doing it if I couldn't but um yeah it always took a lot of courage do you still have to sort of prep yourself now because you play live quite often I do yeah Yeah. I used it as as some form of therapy I guess um when I was living in Ireland I was singing in a vocal ensemble it was quite cheesy. They used to be called the Dublin Glee Choir. The Dublin so you Glee can, Choir, wow. <laughs> so you can actually imagine what um, the kind of music was that yeah. we were singing. It was great fun, though. The people were lovely and we had a great time. And at some point, we all thought, okay, this name is way too cheesy. So we changed it to Eclectic Spree, which is not much less cheesy. But um, <laughs> <clears throat> it didn't immediately connect you to Glee, the TV series. No, or no. Any kind of form of glee music, um, and we sang at all our weddings, and we basically spread all the solos within the group, so everyone pretty much had the same share of solos to sing, which was great, and that helped me a lot. The group split up because of like life. Mm. And then I joined the complete opposite, which was the UCD Philharmonic Choir in Dublin, in my university. And that was 150 people. Wow. So it was the complete opposite, going from like eight people to 150. Yeah. Um, That was great fun too, though, like singing with a big orchestra and like singing a classical piece in a choir this size. It's such a logistical challenge. And then I also joined um, an Irish singer-songwriter to do harmonies and backing vocals for his music. Mm. Yeah, that was perfect for me because I could show what I can do, but I was not necessarily the center of attention. I was kind of sitting behind him and just like Mm. singing along with him. And Mm. he was a very expressive... He still is a very expressive guy. (laughs) He's he's just in Dublin. He's not here. That's what I mean. Um, he's a very expressive guy. His music is very dark. It always reminded me of very dark fairy tales. So you were in Ireland, Ireland for how long? So Four years. Four years? Yeah. And you one... moved there just for sort of the adventure of it? Or? No. I, um, As I said, I had a couple of problems in school. Mm. And I thought, okay, I want to have a clean slate. I want to start from zero. I want to go somewhere where nobody knows me, where nobody has any view of me, what I should be like or what they think I am like. And... Um, so I said, I'm going to be an au pair. Okay. It was my dream for years wow. to be an au pair. Yeah. So I moved to Dublin and lived with a family for a year, which was amazing. It was awful too, but it was a great experience. I had just finished school, so I was basically a kid myself. Mm. And then all of a sudden I had responsibility for three girls. Yeah. Um, it was a great experience though. And then after that year, I moved back to live with my parents for another two and a half years because I did an apprenticeship back home. And um, yeah, near Frankfurt, 
it's just too expensive to live on your own even when you're living in a shared house mm. on mm. like an apprentice's wage mm. Mm. so I had to move back in with my parents and during the apprenticeship I actually realized okay I do want to go to college I never thought I would because I thought 13 years of school is more than enough mm. Mm. and I, I had hated it yeah. a lot so um yeah but during that time I realized that I'm not as dumb as I thought I was and um that there was still space in my head to be filled. So I decided that I want to go to college, um, but I also wanted to move back to Ireland. So I started doing some research, what colleges would offer the course that I want to do. And then I ended up in Dublin again, uh-huh. studying in UCD mm. for three years. And that was how you got involved with the yeah. choir and things that we just talked exactly. about. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So when did you start writing songs along this way? Was um, that a, from a long time ago when you learned guitar, or is that no. quite a recent thing? Uh, it's relatively recent. I wrote a couple of songs when I was very briefly a singer in a progressive metal band. Okay. <laughs> that was pretty cool. It was with um, old school friends, and they were all very much into Tool and Slayer and Slayer. all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I hate yeah. Slayer, but I love I, Tool. I, I mean, I, I don't really know anything of them, but I have a friend who absolutely adores them. God, I hate them. I really, really hate them. But Tool <laughs> is absolutely amazing. They're one of my favorite bands, most favorite bands. Um, yeah, and we did this kind of like progressive rock metal stuff, and we had one gig. What, and how did that go? It went pretty well. I mean, I did not really have a stage presence at all. I was just like standing there very stiff and just had my eyes closed the whole time because I didn't want to see the people looking at me. But, but it was good? Like, it was pretty good, It was actually yeah. a gig to people as well? As yeah, long it wasn't was. just like one person there or anything? No, no, there were quite a few people wow. actually. And, Progressive um, metal's the way to go then. Yeah. I've come a long way from where I started out Hitting rock bottom and crawling back up So then you went from prop metal into the kind of style of music you write now. Has this always been an interest of yours, this more sort of folky style? No, actually, no. After, after that band, I didn't really do much when it came to, like, writing music or being creative myself I just went back to singing in the choir that I'd been singing in for 20 years and I enjoyed that a lot I mean I grew up with those people and they were the people who were always there when I had problems and when I was very down they knew me as like the real person that I was I guess the desire to write music only came when I moved here to Berlin and when I met all those amazing musicians that I'm friends with now mm. and saw them on stage and like saw the progress of them writing new songs and like the inspiration they got and that just really inspired me and then I had this friend who I talked to and I was like oh I really want to go on stage as well there was this jam session thing but I was so insecure that I felt that my feet were glued to the ground I could not actually physically get onto mm. that stage mm. I was so afraid and I was chatting to her saying, I'd really like to go. I can sing. Like, I'm not, I'm not bragging or anything. I am a good singer. But I just can't. I can't go up there. And she's like, okay, let's meet. Let's have dinner. Let's play a couple of covers together. And let's just hit those open stages. And um, you'll get over that. And we did. And it worked really well. And she was actually the first one to ever hear my very first song that I'd written. And she said, it's, it's really good. And that gave me the encouragement to keep going. And then I just kept going. Who knew that 
to find myself I first had to fall I've come a long way I've come a long way And that's the end of part one of our podcast with singer-songwriter Lisa Akua. And you can stay tuned for part two, which is coming up very shortly. But now a new feature on BPM Pod as we go to the album reviews. And this week we'll be reviewing Tiomir Zedjelarevich and his album Mikrovelt. So Tiomir Zedjelarevich, who comes to us with his debut album, Mikrovelt, uh, it's an electronic album, electronic sort of dreamscape, I guess is the best way to put it. He's uh, influenced by 70s psychedelic music, especially Kraut Rock and Berlin School of Electronic Music, and he sort of set himself on a journey, I guess, to resurrect sounds of of more sort of authentic synth times. Uh, there's definitely a sort of sci-fi vibe to this album. It's uh, definitely got that sort of Blade Runner-y kind of feel to it, this sort of gritty but somehow futuristic, recognisable future sort of landscape to it. It's a six-track album, clocking in around 36 minutes, which is quite long and uh, sounds quite long, but as people who listen to electronic music will know, or any sort of ambient music, that's kind of normal sort of length. Uh, It's not rare for tracks to go on beyond sort of four or five minutes. It's not a pop record, definitely. So uh, it's got a lot of room to breathe, and the songs really um, blend into one another and uh, have this nice free flow to them. Across the six tracks, uh, track number one, Slow Down, has got this almost western soundtrack. You can imagine someone sort of walking across a a desert landscape while this sort of plucked guitar effect comes in at the beginning, which blends beautifully into Sail Away, which is this peaceful song with a rather frantic ending, and then into Vigetti, which is to see, and that is the shortest track on the album, and by no means the least punchy. It's very driven by sort of laser sounds and this very thudding bass line. And the first three tracks really give this dreamy sense, I guess, this nice sort of sense that things are not really as they are on this planet almost. It's got this very futuristic kind of vibe, and uh, I really, really like it. Uh, The Sun Will Come Down Eventually, which is track four on the release, is probably the most reminiscent of Vangelis or Blade Runner or whatever. It's quite atmospheric and dark and short and uh, really packs a punch, even though it actually is one of the shortest on the album. And then by the time we get to the end with Sun in February, we've come around full circle with similar birds in the background chirping and things like that. One of the strongest tracks on here, I think, by the way, to end the album, it's got this really solid full synth bass sound which comes around about halfway through the track. And that's when it starts heading towards full Blade Runner mix or sort of daft punky almost. And uh, I really, really liked that track, actually. I thought it was probably the, the best one that or the first one sail away um not heard anything from tiamir sedjelovic previously other than what he's been sent and uh, i've not heard anything of tiamir sedjelovic previously other than what he sent over and he is the very first person to submit an album for review on bpm pod so 
well done, that man. That is a bold thing to do because you never know if I'm going to be horrible or nice or how this is really going to go. Um, But I'm not going to give it a rating. I don't believe in doing reviews with ratings like that. I think it's important we all support each other. Um, And instead, yeah, just trying to pick out some bits of criticism and some great sort of bits as well. If I did have a few criticisms while we're there, uh, I'm not a fan of the synth sound on some of the tracks. Uh, One track, hopefully we'll see, it sounds a little bit trebly and high. Uh, I wonder if that could have been rolled off a little bit. And I think that if this isn't your type of music, you're going to get bored, maybe, uh, quite quickly, uh, to be honest. Uh, It's the same sort of drones and ambient sound effects as you go through. And if you're really not in the mood for that, then yeah, I could see that you totally totally get bored uh, with it. However, it isn't for everyone. It is not a pop album in that sense. It requires patience and um, really an attention to every detail. There are over 200 overdubs on this album uh quite a lot of sounds have been collected by tiamir from uh outside the studio it's not just all done in the studio so he's done an amazing job of mixing this all together and uh yeah it's uh definitely got a good flow to it but you definitely need to be in the right mood so check this out if that's what you really want to get into something very sort of film soundtrack based uh very sci-fi ish and i could definitely see myself listening to this at some sort of drinks gathering or if i was feeling particularly like ryan gosling probably on a night while i'm driving through the city it's got a lovely sort of relaxed uh, pace to it so a solid effort really really solid effort that harks back to the sci-fi sonic soundscapes of the 70s and 80s and definitely worth a listen if you're in that uh, frame of mind I'll put links in the description of the episode, but you can find out more by going to Bandcamp. Tiomir has this Bandcamp page up there. And he's working on a couple more uh, albums going into the future, one with a friend of his as well. So there's definitely more coming out from Tiomir, and uh, I'll be sure to post links and things there. So a really, really good effort, really solid album, and thank you very much, Tiomir, for being brave enough to send this in. Now we return to the usual part of programming, and that is hearing from fantastic singer-songwriters. And that's no different in this case, as we head back into part two of the interview with Lisa Akua. And you, it was uh, when you started out this kind of folky style that you've got now? or Yeah, yeah. Has that always been an area or genre of music that you like? Mm, yes, I'm a big fan of Irish folk in general. Mm-hmm. I think it's so sad and melancholic and mm. the harmonies are beautiful. I'm a big, big fan of harmonies. That's why I did a cappella stuff mm. for such a long time. And I also did a couple of Irish folk covers. Um, so I always wanted to do very harmonic stuff. And since I'm not a great guitar player, despite my classical education in it, I always try to stick to very basic chords and mm. very basic finger picking or strumming. We're still trying to kill this fly. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I caught it earlier. No, it, it's still around town, whatever. Um, yeah, so very basic finger picking and chords. I just <clears throat> I focus mostly on the voice and the melodies because that's what I want to put across. Like I sing a lot about my own insecurities and my own life experiences, and I think they're way more important than being a wizard on the guitar yeah yeah but what about the themes of your songs so that you said they're mainly about yourself and your own insecurities or yeah 
Because they're quite melancholic. Yes. And I'm not going to lie. They are quite <laughs> melancholic. They are. That's not a bad thing. Mine are exactly the same. There's no, I have no genuinely happy material. But, <laughs> but um, where do you sort of dredge that up from? Oh, um, well, the first song that I wrote was pretty much the first step into this, in parentheses, therapy that I put myself through. Um, like getting over those fears and like showing who I really am rather than hiding the whole time. Um, it's called <clears throat> Jigsaw and it's also on my EP. Yeah. So yeah, I basically tell the story of myself of from going from this very insecure person who could not, who was afraid of showing what you can actually do to someone who feels relatively comfortable around new people, relatively comfortable showing what, potential there is and yeah showing my feelings <clears throat> in other ways than just talking about them or starting to cry mm -hmm. how, how is your songwriting process do you have to sort of sit quietly and do it on your own because yes. it's quite an introspective thing that you're describing yeah. so is that a similar sort of songwriting process as well absolutely yeah so um as i said i'm not a great guitar player so most of my songs just come out from learning new chords mm. Sometimes I just feel I really want to learn a new cover and then there's a chord in it that I hadn't known before and I'm like, oh, this chord is amazing. Yeah. And then I just write it down and I go, mm, I, I think I want to play around with this and yeah. I just start playing around with it until I have like a chord progression and I just play it over and over again until I have a melody in my head and then at some point I just open my mouth and words blurp out. Mm. I don't yeah. necessarily have a topic in my head for it. No, no. But it just forms unconsciously mm. and then I just continue and is that a pretty fast process or do you sort of revisit it over months it depends sometimes it's really fast when um when i start writing and i'm getting really into it and then i can finish the song within a day but i've started writing one a couple of weeks ago and then the cold got in the way mm -hmm. and then i didn't really feel like it i need the i need to feel the urge to sit down and play yeah <clears throat> otherwise it won't work yeah What inspires you around Berlin? I guess the sheer amount of talent that we have here inspires me a lot because there are so many musicians and there are so many shit musicians and there are so many amazing musicians <clears throat> and the, the amazing ones they're also different I mean, not all of them. There are some where no. you have like this um, very trendy, girly, cutesy singing mm. that I absolutely hate. Yeah. Um, the other one I really hate is this false London accent. Oh, yeah. This like really South London sort of, let's <laughs> sing like this. I hate it. And it's yeah. mainly among women, to be honest with you. Yeah. But it's also guys as well. And I just hate it. This really false like singing voice. But yeah, anyway, sorry. <laughs> Little rant. But yeah, so... I guess the other musicians are who inspire me most mm. and experiences that I have around here. Mm. But how do you stand out <clears throat> in a city like this? Because there are so many sort of, there is a pool of like good musicians, right? And then of course you've got some people who maybe aren't so good, but the pool of sort of average to good musicians is huge. Yeah. So then how do you sort of break through that ceiling then? I don't know. I don't think I have yet anyway. I mean, 
the people who've seen me play, they all really liked it, surprisingly, even though it is very melancholic and quite sad. Um, but yeah, the feedback's really good, and I guess I am different to other musicians because I really exclusively write about my own feelings, my own experiences. Like I, I can't actually detach, detach myself that much from my feelings to write music about something else mm -hmm. because music is feeling music is emotion for me so I can't actually write about a story that I've read or mm -hmm. anything like that it just wouldn't work for me no so the feedback that I got so far was that um, people think my music is very authentic and that they can relate a lot to it mm -hmm. and since my you know I'm very clear in what I'm saying in my music I guess every word is very clear and easy to understand Mm. So people actually listen to the lyrics. So you have one release now, Corner Pieces, right? Yes. That came out last year. Yes? Yeah. 2017. Yeah. How did that come around? What, what, when did you sort of start recording and uh, getting into that process? Well, it all started off with that first song that I'd written that was called Jigsaw, and that's where the name Corner Pieces comes from. And I decided to record the EP um, when I had four songs written. And I felt, okay... They get progressively more happy, <laughs> if you can call it that. Um, but I felt that they were basically the corner pieces of my life that I built here in Berlin. Mm. And um, that I was ready to basically fill the middle. And I just wanted to capture that. So I decided to record that. Well, it, I decided to record it. Well, my... A friend of mine had a bit of a home studio mm. and for my birthday he gave me two home studio recordings and um, I was chatting to him about it and I said oh, I'd really like to record something and he's like yeah I'm currently working in a proper studio and if you want we can just record all your songs and make it an EP you just have to pay the rent for the studio which was basically nothing yeah and he did all the recording and mixing and mastering yeah. for free yeah yeah and he also played um, the second guitar um, which was absolutely amazing But no, similar process to me then. Um, I had just had a guy called Thomas, a uh, really, really nice guy, Thomas Larson, who I met in a pub and he has his own studio and was like, just swing by, pay the studio rent for the day, we'll do them all in sort of one hit. Yeah. And I think we bashed out 10 songs wow. in, in the day. And then, I mean, the last five were kind of a struggle. I must admit, the first five were much better. Um, because just by the end of the day, you don't really care anymore. You're tired, you're hungry. Your voice, is, hurt. your voice is shot. Your fingers hurt. Exactly. And stuff like that. Had, was it always the plan to do a solo acoustic thing or would you rather make something with a band? I don't think I ever had anything in particular in mind. It just happened to be mm -hmm. acoustic stuff. And I always think that I'm pretty shit with like keeping rhythms. So I don't actually want to put that so much onto other around. people to try and keep up with my <laughs> weird shit so I, I think it's actually better if I stay by myself I can keep up with my own rhythm and that's enough how do you mean you're bad at keeping rhythm well I've tried playing to a click and it just won't work what are your sort of um, future ambitions do you want to keep doing the solo acoustic thing so you can hide your poor rhythm or, <laughs> or do you want to jump in with other projects um Well, next year I want to record an album because mm. I think right now I have pretty much enough material for that. Mm. Mm. Um, and on this album, I definitely want a couple more instruments. I definitely mm. want a second guitar as well. I want a cello. I really want a cello. Oh, that would be great. Um, 
I want a bass, preferably an upright one. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if any percussions would suit my music really well, but um, maybe, I don't know, mm. maybe something very quiet and I don't know. That mm. sounds like rain. <laughs> I used to really insult the bass when I was younger and be a bit like, what, what's the point in having a bass guitar in a band or a double bass or something like that? And now I'm older, people are like, what What sort of extra instruments do you want? I'm like, meh, just a bass <laughs> will yeah. do. Yeah, that's what I was thinking as well for a while. I definitely, definitely want a bass. And if it could be an upright bass, it'd be absolutely amazing, I think. Yeah, yeah. Where are you playing live next? Um, I do, it might be gone by the time this goes out. But... <laughs> no, I haven't got anything planned, actually. I'm quite shit at planning this kind of stuff. <laughs> I'm currently still in a full-time job. That I that I like, but I've started reconsidering my aims for life recently, and I've decided that I want to cut back on my weekly working hours to mm. have more time for music, and then I actually want to get this started properly. Like I met with a friend recently, and I wrote down a whole long list of stuff that I should do in order to kind of establish myself a bit more as a musician here. What do you think you've getting a lot of positive feedback so far on your music and stuff? What is it that people connect to the most? Is it the music or the lyrics? Mm, I'd say it's the lyrics. I think I um, I show a lot of vulnerability, and I'm I'm not trying to hide it because it's there. Like I'm mm. not ashamed of it. I am very vulnerable, and I I'm. Oh, it's very close to the water. I can cry very easily. You just show mm. me a cute kitten, I can cry. Um, <laughs> well, on my phone, right here. I don't know. <laughs> um, so I guess I, I'm very honest mm. with what I write about and everything in my songs is 100% true. And I think that comes across pretty well and that's what I get the feedback on mm. because people think yeah okay like she's not just writing this because she thinks other people want to hear it and other people can relate to it it's just because it's true hmm. so you're recording an album next year yes you don't have any gigs lined up at the minute but you could do tomorrow if yeah. you keep doing your facebook thing so yes. there we go but where can people find out more about you um i've recently started using twitter I do use Facebook, but Facebook's very difficult if you don't want to pay for sponsored posts. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, but most of my announcements I have on Facebook, and then I share them on Instagram as well. And what is your, like, handle and things? It's uh, Lisa Akua, all in one word. So Lisa, like the like normal the name. name, and yeah. Akua is A-K-U-A-H. Excellent. And then people can find out more. And you've got stuff on SoundCloud as well? Yes. And Spotify and things? or No, not Spotify yet. No. Well, who needs it, really? They pay you nothing, so who cares? Yeah, I'm probably going to do it next year when I have the album, though. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good idea. But yeah, cool. Thank you very much for talking to us. You're and you're going to play a song, right? Yes. 
as long as you don't mind playing in front of some stranger who's just entered your house. No, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and what is the song you're going to play? Um, it's called Bubbles. It's um, my latest song, except the one that I've started writing recently. Um, and it's actually a very funny story behind it, and I made it into a melancholic song, obviously. Okay, cool. Um, it was, um, like, I'm just going to tell the brief background to it. Um, yeah, go ahead. After a gig that I went to in some art space in Neukölln, um, there was a second room with all the sculptures and paintings and everything, and there were like big boxes of wood that you could sit on. And I was sitting there with a couple of friends, just drinking beer and chatting. And at some point, someone noticed there's like a red plastic bag on this thing, and he looked in, and there were like two uneaten kebabs in it. <laughs> and he's like, "Okay, that's weird. How long have we been yeah, sitting here?" And we looked at the watch. It's like, "Okay, we've been here for the better part of two hours." And nobody claimed those kebabs. And we started, like, passing them around and sniffing them. Yeah, and, as you did, yeah. um, Because there were vegetarians, and they're like, ah, I'm kind of hungry, but if, if there's meat in it, I'm not going to eat it. And oh, this one God. dude was just like, ah, come on, give it to me. And I started yeah, eating it. Yeah. It was obviously cold and probably not very nice anymore. No, no, no. And another girl went on to say, ah, oh, give me the other one, took a bite out of it. And she's like, ah, oh, no, I actually don't want it, and wrapped it up again, put it back into the bag. And the other guy was pretty content eating it. And then while he was eating it, nearly finished, he had maybe like five centimeters left of it, like let's say five bites, mm. um, chewing on it. Um, this girl comes up, I think she must have been French or something. She comes up and just like looks at us and goes like, there were two kebabs in this bag. And this guy is just standing there with this nearly eaten kebab, his <laughs> cheeks full of it. <laughs> Like and we're all step. like oh shit this is awkward <laughs> yeah and we're like oh sorry we didn't know it belonged to anyone we've been here for like two hours and nobody took it so we thought somebody had forget forgotten it and she's like no i was in the other room and we're like okay maybe you shouldn't leave your food in a public space yeah, yeah. and expect people not was to she eat. angry or first she wasn't um, oh first she wasn't yes okay. yeah oh. That's, She's done like the opposite gets, to most that's people. That's where it gets very funny. Um, and um, she said, okay, I'm just, I'm just going to take the second one and leave. And then she took the bag and we were like, oh, okay, that was really awkward. And I thought, oh shit, the second kebab has a big bite taken out of it. I really don't want to see her unwrap it. Um, and we started laughing, like this really awkward laugh where you're just relieved that the yeah, situation yeah, was yeah. over. Um Five minutes later, she comes back and goes up to the guy who had eaten her kebab and like goes at him and says, I want three euros for the kebab. And he's like, no. <laughs> and then like this argument starts where she goes on about morals and everything and that you, that you shouldn't take somebody's stuff without asking. And it's like, yeah, but this is a big public space. You can't just leave your stuff and expect nobody to either throw it away or throw eat it. it away, yeah. If it had been like a bag or a phone or anything, we would have would have gone to the bar and like handed it in. But yeah, this but is a fucking kebab yeah. in Neukölln. Yeah, yeah. Earlier on in the discussion, I I had the thought: it's like, dude, you must have grown up very sheltered. <laughs> and like, where did you grow up in a bubble or what? And yeah, like uh-huh. she got really angry about that. Yeah. And um, yeah, and then I went up to her saying you're absolutely overreacting and she's like I hate you even more oh my god uh, okay 
Yeah, I don't actually remember how the whole thing resolved, but we fucked off very quickly then. <laughs> <laughs> and went to a speedy and got a beer and just laughed for about half an hour and we said, okay, we should you, definitely write a song about it. Then you wrote a song about it. Yeah. And that is how the name Bubbles came about then, from this yeah. idea of living in bubbles, I Exactly, guess. yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, it'll be good to hear it, but otherwise, thank you very much for talking. You're and, very uh, welcome. Yeah, we'll just get set up in a second for this, but yeah, thank you.
That's Lisa Akua there with her song Bubbles, rounding off the podcast with Lisa. Thank you very much for appearing, uh, Lisa, and thank you everyone for listening. Before we go, I did promise one new feature, though, and that is the Big Questions. That's right, it's the time of the show where we have the question from the previous interview that follows on to the next interview to give some continuity and some things to look out for in the very next episode. So after Lisa and I sat down and did the podcast, I asked her, what would you ask the next person on the podcast? And this is what she said. If there is one line in one of your songs that you really dislike and you could change it, what is it and why? Interesting question. I guess we've all got answers to that one, musicians among us. Um, I know there's a few lines I've done that I really, really wish I could take back. They are really terrible and I still sing them today and cringe every single time. So I guess everyone has those. And next time our guest does have an answer to that question and he also will be passing the baton on with the big question and he will be asking someone else for the episode after. And we'll keep that chain going for as long as we can really. Next time, join us as we go bluesy. It's going to be completely different to what we've had right now. Very jam-based, very sort of uh, relaxed, chilled, and uh, cool. Definitely got a cool vibe to it. You're going to want to put your sunglasses on or kick back in your easy chair and uh, really just enjoy the blues that are coming up. And here's a bit of a taster for the next episode. Until then, thank you very much for listening, everybody, and I'll speak to you all again soon. In the meantime, remember, stay lucky, uh, take care of each other, and have a good week. (laughs) 